You're listening to the Journey to Launch podcast, Money Conversations with my podcast, Powerhouse Circle. T minus 10 seconds. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast with your host, Jamila Souffrant. As a money expert who walks her talk, she helps brave journeyers like you get out of debt, save, invest, and build real wealth. Join her on the journey to launch to financial freedom in, in five, four, three, two, one. Hey, 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 journeyers. Welcome to the Journey to Launch podcast. If you are totally new to this show, you're now a journeyer. <laughs> the fact that you're listening, the fact that you are on this journey with me, and I have an exciting conversation for you. Before we hop into the episode, let me tell you about today's sponsor of the podcast, Empower. I know how much work it is to juggle career, family, and money management. Look, I get it. As a full-time entrepreneur with three small kids, a husband, and me trying to keep up my friendships, working out, and staying healthy, your girl is tired. Plus, let's not even add on the craziness of the financial markets right now. Hashtag tired and over it. Empower, that's E-M-P-O-W-E-R, is an awesome app that gives you back your valuable time by making money management and saving the easiest thing you do all day while allowing you to take more control over your financial future. So raise your hand if you'd like to save more without lifting a finger. It's more important now than ever to find ways to save and Empower helps you do just that. For starters, Empower has an automated savings feature. I simply tell the app my weekly savings target and every day Empower studies my income and spending and automatically knows when to move the right amount of money into my savings account where it grows with unlimited withdrawals and no minimums. It's called autosave. Just set it and forget it. The app even tells me about upcoming payments that are due. So it's nice to have the app remind me because quite honestly, sometimes with my schedule, I forget. Yes, even me, Jamila, your chief launch officer, needs a reminder when a bill is due. I'm guessing you can use that kind of help too. Now, Empower has a nice human touch because let's face it, sometimes you need to talk to real living, breathing people for guidance on whatever financial challenges you're going through. So just text Empower's human coaches who are on standby to share personalized recommendations and steer you through whatever financial questions that come up. If you want to save more than ever before, you got to check out Empower's app. Download Empower, that's E-M-P-O-W-E-R, in the App Store or Play Store. I did, and over 650,000 other people have too. And for listeners of this show, that's Journeyers, get $5 when you use the code JOURNEY and reach your savings goal. Visit empower.me slash journey for more details. That's Empower, E-M-P-O-W-E-R dot M-E slash J-O-U-R-N-E-Y for more details. Stick around to the end of the episode. I'm going to be sharing some tips from today's sponsor, Empower, on how to get financial relief from the coronavirus outbreak. So I rounded up what I believe to be the most powerful women in podcasting who are also my podcasting sisters to bring you a raw, real conversation around money. So it's the 1st of April. If you're listening to this when the podcast drops or in the month that it is released, it's April. It's Financial Literacy Month. So I thought it'd be pretty cool to bring on some friends who are also podcasters to talk about money. And the cool thing about this is they're not like money experts or people who are in the finance space. They may be some podcasters you listen to or already know, but I thought in the celebration of talking about money in making finance and money conversations more normalized. What about just like bringing on some people to talk about money who are not really like money experts? So on the podcast today, in this roundtable discussion, I have Nikayla Matthew Okome of the Side Hustle Pro podcast. I have Dr. Joy Harden Bradford from the Therapy for Black Girls podcast. I have Raina Campbell from the Dreams and Drive podcast, and then Art Steele from the Ink Secure podcast. So I'm really excited for you to really listen into this conversation. The idea here is that I wanted you to just see like just a group of girlfriends chatting about money, being raw and open about how we were raised with money, some of our money hangups, what we like about money or what we like to spend. And so I think you're in for a real treat. This is episode 147. So if you want to get the episode show notes, meaning any of the links that we mentioned or to check out the ladies podcast, if you don't know their podcast yet, go to journey to launch 
dot com slash episode 147. And then if you are listening to this, take a screenshot and tag me on social media, tag the ladies. If you like something that they said or something like makes you nod your head, tag them, tag me, share it on your Instagram stories or Instagram feed or Facebook, whatever. I'm at Journey to Launch. If you want the episode show notes for this episode, go to journeytolaunch.com or click the description of wherever you're listening to this episode. In the show notes, you'll get the transcribed version of the conversation, the links that we mentioned, and so much more. Also, whether you are an OG journeyer or brand new to the podcast, I've created a free jumpstart guide to help you on your financial freedom journey. It includes the top episodes to listen to, stages to go through to reach financial freedom, resources, and so much more. You can go to journeytolaunch.com slash jumpstart to get your guide right now. Okay, let's hop into the episode. Okay, I am so excited to bring this conversation, this roundtable discussion to my journeyers. But like literally, like this is to me, I think the dream team of podcasting. I have my podcasting sisters here with me. I'm going to introduce everyone one by one and their amazing podcast. So you've probably heard of them before, maybe not, but I'm really excited for you guys to really listen on this conversation about money. So first I want to introduce Raina Campbell from the Dreams and Drive podcast. Hi, Raina. Hey, Jamila. Hey. Then I want to introduce Dr. Joy Harden Bradford of Therapy for Black Girls. Hi, Dr. Joy. Hey. And then next up, we have Nikayla Matthews Okome of Side Hustle Pro. Hey, Nikayla. Hey, hey. And then last but not least, we have the amazing Art Steele of the Ink Secure Podcast. Hey, Art. Hey, hey. <laughs> I wanted to do this like roundtable discussion about money with non-money nerds because my podcast typically talks to people who are in the personal finance space or who are money focused. And I thought like how dope for financial literacy month to do just like a conversation around what I think are just like dope women entrepreneurs and people in this space with podcasts, but just talking about money, really being open about how we manage money, like pulling back the curtains. Maybe I will like share something that I've never shared before about how I handle money, but really like allowing listeners to really get a sense of like, this is just like real money talk. Right. And so some of the hangups or some of the things that you don't understand or some of the things that you're working towards, like these are things and conversations that we're probably having with friends or people in our lives that other people don't get to hear, but it's a common denominator because money is a fabric of all our lives. So that's really the premise of this conversation. And I'm happy to welcome you all to the podcast. So with that, I do want to get started. So I, like, I want to ask like a basic question about money because one of the things that often how we handle money is often shaped by our upbringing with money. So I'd love to hear from whoever wants to go first, who feels inclined about really like, was money a topic in your household? Like, was it ever discussed? And how do you feel like it's really penetrated the way you deal with money today? Um, I can go first. I feel like in my household, growing up in a Jamaican American Caribbean household, my parents always talked about money and it was always, we don't have enough of it. Or, you know, <laughs> you know it was always like, you have to work for it, right? Like it doesn't come easy. It's like money doesn't grow from trees. So I remember from a young age, always feeling like I had to like figure out ways to make money. So that kind of was like one of the impetus, like why I started doing, I had little entrepreneur hustles as a child. But the biggest money lesson I will say, although my parents made us feel like money was a scarcity, something that was very scarce, they also did teach us the importance of budgeting and you can set money goals and you can make money decisions. So the story that I tell everyone is like cable back in the day never used to be all inclusive and you had to, had to choose what your package was going to be. My sister and I we really wanted Cartoon Network. And my dad was like, all right, you can have your like allowance every week or you can have Cartoon Network. So what, you, what are you going to choose? And so we were like, hmm, we'd rather have money than have to spend money. So that was just like a very important lesson that I think still sticks with me today is this idea of you don't always need everything that you think you want. But at the same time, if you want something, you have to figure out a way that you can get it on your own. My parents were not the type to just give us things freely. We had to kind of like make a case for it or set up goals of how we were going to get the money for it. Yeah, I can definitely relate to what Raina was saying. You know, similar 
upbringing. Uh, we immigrated from Jamaica to the Bronx and, you know, money always felt like something that it was to be used responsibly. Like we didn't come here to have the freshest clothes. We didn't come here to give y'all Jordans. <laughs> we came here to give you a good education and opportunities. And so I always knew that my parents with what they weren't using on the essentials, like rent, they were saving. Like I always just, I don't even remember ever having to talk about it. I just always knew that they were big time savers. And I also always knew that I could not even open my mouth to ask them for something frivolous because that's just not what we spend money on. We did not spend money. Like I did not get money for getting good grades in school. That was just expected. I couldn't bring home a report card and expect to get, you know, rewarded with money. Money was for things that were necessary and needed things like education. Yeah. So I wonder, I know Art, you're also, um, you weren't born here. So I wonder if that's also experience you had immigrating from somewhere else. So my experience with money growing up was actually very different. When we lived in Liberia, we were very, very, very well off. We had servants and drivers and housekeepers and money was never a thing. We would travel to the U.S. We traveled to all of our family members in Europe. It was not something we thought about until the Civil War happened. And then we had to move here and my parents didn't have a way to make a living anymore. And then my dad got sick. And so then my mom became the only breadwinner in the family. And then we were very, very, very poor. That was an interesting experience because I saw, you know, a lot of people kind of go in the opposite direction, right? You grow up poor and then you strive and then you do well and you kind of make it. We went in the opposite direction. We were very wealthy and then we became very poor. And, you know, people might think, oh, okay, what's she talking about? Very poor. I know because I used to go deposit her checks in the bank. My mom would make like $250 a week at one job. And then I think she was making like another maybe two or 300 a week at the other job. And our mortgage, because we had bought a place, right, was like $900 a month. So after the mortgage and everything else, there was nothing left. And as a matter of fact, there wasn't enough to cover all the bills. So many days we would come home and the power would be gone and we would just have to figure out something else to do. But it was a good lesson because it taught me that money is just money. You can lose it and you can't build your life around it. And it's something that is useful, but it's not who you are. And obviously material things don't last because we lost everything, right? And then obviously I was not getting any allowance. (laughs) I mean, the allowance I got was a roof over my head and I was absolutely grateful for that. I started working when I was 15 years old and I would bring home as much money as I could and give it to my mom. She never asked for it, but I felt like I needed to do something to contribute to the family and and to at least helping her with whatever I could. So yeah, that's my experience with money, but it's definitely shaped how I think about what I spend it on, how much I treasure it, if you will, because I do always kind of feel like, you know, one day all of this could be gone and then what? Yeah. So yeah, so that's a very different experience. Yeah. And I actually really like that perspective of you really having it and then losing it yeah meaning now as an adult like how it doesn't matter as much I always relate it back to you people like Oprah or people who are really successful say oh the money doesn't matter and people like really that you're saying that because you have it but it's like like, really though I think that perspective I think it is a powerful tool to have to realize that you don't need to depend on it it doesn't define who you are like money Mm -hmm. Dr. Joy I'd love to hear is your family like based here or we're from here the okay so yeah, like born and raised in louisiana okay yeah so i always grew up thinking we were rich when we were clearly not <laughs> <laughs> so like my parents tease me still because i don't remember ever really talking about money 
but I also just remember like getting whatever I asked for, but not like <laughs> extravagant, right? Like I'm talking about like new shoes for like the new school year or if I wanted a different backpack or something. I think I always equated it to, oh, we must be rich because whenever I ask for something, like I can get it. I mean, we're not rich. Like my mom, I don't think she started working until I was in high school. I mean, my dad worked at a plant, but was also a photographer on the side. And so like he was the only one supporting our family. So we clearly were not rich, but I just always thought like, oh, I could get whatever I want. So we must be rich when that was not the case. So it also sounds like just from my also experience as being like a child of an immigrant, being born in Jamaica, also that education was for us like the means to success and more money. Like that was definitely pushed to me. And it sounds like based on the art, just your profession and like how you went through your schooling, that was seems like education was important to you and Michaela and Raina and Dr. Joy. For you, as you were growing up and coming of age, right? So as you're getting older and you're figuring out what you want to do with your life, what did you feel like you wanted to do for a living? Was money a driving force? I know it was for me. Like I wanted to just make a lot of money because I saw what money could do, right? And I didn't know what that meant. I was just going to follow the dollar and figure it out after. So that was kind of like my motivating factor in figuring out that I wanted to like major in business. You know, it's funny. I always, I should have been thinking like that, but I didn't consider money when I was considering what I wanted to do with my life and career. I was always one of those dreamy kids, big imagination. Like I'm talking, I used to write stories. I used to, when I was in my room, just be like, have fake friends, imaginary friends, all of that. So when I started to explore career options, I gravitated to things involving writing. So I thought I would do something like broadcast journalism. And that's why I majored in communications and ultimately came out of school. I'll never forget showing my mom my offer letter. And she was like, this is less than one year of your tuition that I just paid. (laughs) (laughs) I know that's right. Like I I never got a job offer full-time salary before. She was not impressed. But, you know, I had the stars in my eyes. I was working for, the offer was from MTV. So I thought, oh, I'm going to be working in entertainment. It's going to be so much fun. It was not. And also, um, I quickly learned that for me, a life passion wasn't always going to be aligned with money. It had to, for me, start with doing what I love. Because I spent many years working in places that were supposed to be like fun and all this other stuff, but they weren't. And I thought, well, if this isn't fun, imagine going to work on Wall Street. (laughs) I'm going to like go crazy. So I knew I had to find something that was a middle ground and would pay me essentially so I could work on my other dreams. What about anyone else in terms of how they were visioning what they would do for a living? For me, this is art. I didn't think about necessarily doing something that would make me money, like being a lawyer would make me money. All I knew was I like being rich better than I like being poor. And I was like, I can't be poor because this is hard. And I know that sounds so silly, but when you have these two extremes, to go back to your point, Jamila, what you said about education, that was really when it clicked for me because my mom would say like, you know, look at all the things we lost because they're just things. But if you go to school and you get an education, you can never lose that. Like you can never, you will always have a way to make a living. And so, well, I chose law school because I just liked the critical thinking aspect of it. I, I liked speaking for people who can't speak for themselves and doing it in, you know, a, a legal, theoretical way. But I was like, okay, I want to make sure that I'm always in a position where I can provide for myself and I can use that skill to do something, even if it's working at a big firm or working for myself or working for a company or, or doing whatever. That's how I saw it. And, but yeah, I definitely was like, no, I think I like being well off more. Cause you had both of those experiences. Yeah. Yeah. At like, very young age. Yeah. Thinking about it now, even I I think I was kind of like Michaela. I was like the dreamy person in my head. Like, I just wanted to be happy. I wanted to do what I love. And on the flip side is I didn't like spending money. So it was like whatever money I had, I was like a serial saver to the point of I would limit myself from having experiences that I really wanted. Like I would not I would buy iced tea at the corner store because it was cheaper than like juice 
and I hate iced tea, right? Like there were things that I was doing <laughs> that <laughs> it didn't make sense. Like I think I became obsessed with, I have to like hold on to the money because I won't be able to get it. So I think in my head, it was like, maybe if I had aspired or maybe if money was a motivation, I would be a little bit more willing to let go of what I already had. Thinking back on like my post-college decisions, I was just holding on to every single little bit of money that I was getting from these jobs and stuff. So, but at the same time, I never aspired to make a lot of money. So it was just like this, it was this weird thing that I think like my parents made me scared of money. So I just would hold on to everything that I had because I felt like I didn't know if I was going to get it or I was just had this weird relationship with money. I would definitely say that. So that brings me now to, I think for all of us to ask the questions, like based on how you were raised and like kind of as you now were navigating into young adulthood and now as grown women with bills and things that you have to do, how do you feel like some of the lessons that you learned or your, your thought process has have served you to date? making you successful with money and your careers versus can you identify maybe how it, if it's holding you back or, and you could recognize that. Like, I'd love to know if you can see that within yourself, like the good ways that it's helped you. And then maybe like, wow, like it's actually not serving me that much. I need to think about another layer of or level of this. Yeah. I think for me, like I still am very much like, okay, if I want something, like I want to have it. But I also am like an adult now and recognize, you know, like the importance of saving and being able to kind of provide for my kids, being able to save for them and teaching them lessons about saving, you know, so I feel like it is still a balance for me of like, okay, yes, you have the money, go get it. And okay, what are we investing this in? How are we also being responsible with the money? And for me, I feel that growing up, the thing that was instilled in me the most was just this idea of being responsible with your money. And so I see how that shaped me for a while in when, for example, when I got to college, you know, I had a bank, a checking account already, but I got my first credit card. And I just remember always thinking credit cards were bad. And the only reason I got it was because I knew it was used was open one and, you know, start building your credit and it's good for your future. At least that's what I was told as an 18 year old. So I'm like, all right, I opened it, but I'm never going to use it. And that's, I did never use it for four years of college until my senior formal, I bought my dress on it and then paid it off the next month. Like, oh my God, I got to pay this off right away. And for a long time, that's how I thought about credit as this scary thing that somehow was going to suck me in. And it's only now, as a matter of fact, from our wedding, when we got married, that I really got serious about using credit cards in a strategic way. So for points and spending it on things where you could double points, understanding which credit card you're getting, then paying that off. We were able to apply points for our honeymoon. Just recently with our move, I was able to apply points to some of our furniture pieces that I really wanted to get. And so just unpacking some of those lessons to understand, okay, this is what responsibility means. You can be responsible and still use credit. In addition, I think that I've always been a saver and someone who knew that I needed to have an emergency fund. However, I wasn't ever as strict like as Raina. <laughs> like I'm a little in between Raina and Dr. Joy. Like if I want something, I'll think about it. You know, for, so for example, there are a lot of designer bags that I want, but I haven't gotten because I couldn't justify spending that much. However, now as an adult and a business owner, I will say, okay, if I achieve this, perhaps for my birthday, I'll get that. Like I just bought my first real Louis Vuitton bag this year. So shout out to college Nikayla that was rocking her, <laughs> <laughs> her bag from hey, no, shame. <laughs> no shame in my game. But, um, yes. But, and, and I can't believe that it took me till I was 35 to feel like I deserve to spend money on this, but that's how I felt. Yeah. What about you, Art? So one of the things that my mom always used to say was, if you can't manage a little bit of money, you can't manage a lot of money. Or like, if you can't pay yourself 10% when you make a dollar, you're not going to pay yourself 10% when you make $10,000, right? So whenever I earned anything, I always try to like manage it well. No matter how much I earned, no matter how little it was, I would still say like, okay, I can buy myself X or I can't buy myself X, right? And then I graduated from law school and I was making like a six-figure salary. And I think I went a little bit crazy. 
because I was single. I, I mean, this was back in the day and I had no kids or nothing. And I remember just, I couldn't make the money fast enough. And on top of that, I was working like, I don't know, 15 hour days. So I wasn't going anywhere. I wasn't doing anything. The money was just piling up. And that's when I should have been like, oh, let me save a whole bunch of money. But I had not really trained myself to kind of be exposed to that much money, even though I really, you know, I did the whole 10%, the max in the 401k. And that's the thing. I had done the max in the 401k. So it's like, okay, what else can I save? Okay, I'm doing the six months. Okay, I have that. There's still money left over. (laughs) No, like seriously, you know, and that's kind of when you're like, okay, I really don't have a plan for my money because everything else has just been like what I had learned. So one of the things I had to really train myself, or I guess untrain myself, was having a plan because I never had one of those. It was like, what are you going to do with the extra, extra money? Because I had never thought I would be in the position where I would have so much money to where I I literally couldn't spend it fast enough. I just want to chime in and say, I, I so relate to that art. I feel like I always feel this way about financial education and gurus and people out there. I don't think enough people speak to this, that demographic of people who it's so black and white. It's like either help me set up my first budget. You know, I don't know how to save. I'm in debt, blah, 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 that kind of thing. Or let's talk to people who are ready to invest a hundred thousand dollars. Right. There's, yeah. nobody, there's nobody in between who's like, okay, you've paid your bills. You're not in debt. You have X amount, you know, six to 12 months in savings and you have some excess teaching you how to not spend what yeah. doesn't seem like cash that you need to hold on to, like teaching mm-hmm. you to really save the excess, like every single thing when you kind of feel like, oh, but I could treat myself, you know, I've done the responsible things. I think that's such a key thing to bring up here because being in the personal finance space myself, and I've also had like many epiphanies about what Journey to Launch speaks to and where I even started because I do feel as if like part of me with this whole financial independence movement. So this idea, when I first started, right, was all about, I was going to save and invest as much as I could because I did not want to work at my job for the rest of my life. And so I was like, I'm just going to go all in and like save as much as I can. And then as I started to like build the business, um, have more kids, I wanted a more balanced approach. Like I realized I didn't, I didn't want to go as hard. Like I wanted to like enjoy the life today and enjoy life later. Sometimes for me, what's frustrating Sometimes like no shade to like my other personal finance friends or people accounts that I follow is that when it comes like all one-sided about like super frugal or not spending any money and then also kind of maybe making people feel bad about buying things when it's just like part of the whole consumerism like helps fund all you people who invest, like you're making money off consumerism anyway. So I do agree with you there that there needs to be more a balanced approach on, okay, what's the plan like outside of after debt and which is why I feel like hopefully more conversations like this can open up people's eyes that it's not just about like paying off debt. That's a great step, but let's talk about like what your life actually looks like, like a holistic journey to like, what are you working towards? And what came up as you guys were talking was if you didn't have a plan for your money at some point, because like me, I, in my twenties, I really didn't know about financial independence and that I could do this. So I was just kind of like doing the minimum and chilling. I wanted to invest in real estate, but that was it. I didn't have a plan. What made you decide if you do have a plan that you kind of want to get more um, intentional? For me, it was having kids and wanting to quit my job. But did anyone else have like an epiphany moment or something that happened where they were like, oh, I need to pay more attention to this? Well, for me, it was when I left that job. <laughs> and I wasn't making that much money anymore. <laughs> so I had gone back to my childhood, right? So it was like deja vu almost. And I was like, damn, I could have been saving like, If I had known I wanted to leave my job and start my own business, I would have saved every single penny. I would have rented out every single room in my house. I would have lived in the basement. I would have been super frugal. And I never planned on starting my own firm. I never planned on starting my own business. It just sort of happened to me. And mind you, I had savings. I had all this money in my 401k. I had like the six month savings and actually even more than that. But what I didn't know is how little you make, 
how hard it is to make what you're making when an institution that has been around for 50 years or 60 years is paying you a a mid-six-figure salary. And I was lucky I had those many years of that. But yeah, if I had known that that was the plan, then I would have saved a lot more money. Now that I'm working again, I do think more about my plan, which now involves my son because I have a son. Well, I shouldn't say I'm working again. I'm working for the man again, (laughs) or I have a, you know, I have a full-time job, but yeah. So I do plan my money a lot more now because I'm just, it's, you know, I'm just more mature with it now. And I actually have a budget and in the budget has like self-care. Dr. Joy, when I say self-care, it really means like spas and stuff (laughs) (laughs) and money I spend on clothes. Like before I would never budget for clothes. I would just go buy whatever I thought I needed. Now I'm like, okay, I'm going to wait until the next paycheck. Not because I don't have the money, but because it's not in the plan for this paycheck. So being like, okay, you need a plan for your money and you didn't have one before and you could have used a lot more of it. That's what really is helping me now. I feel like I don't have a plan. Well, I know I don't have a plan. And when I, and when I think about it now, I feel like it's like different things. Like this could be a cross episode with uh, Dr. Joy, right? The therapy of why, why are you so scared to invest? Right? <laughs> like, maybe I need to like, get some, you know, some deep dive in there. Thinking about it, I feel like I'm just so risk averse, right? And to me, it seems like investing is so risky and here I, I worked so hard to like save this money and now I'm just going to put it into the oblivion and just hope that something comes back to me. So it's like, I really know that there's a mindset hurdle that I really need to get over in order to get to the next level. And at the same time, I think that I can get caught up in information overload. So I understand in theory how investing works and all this stuff works. You know, like I listen to your podcast, you mean like I get it, right? But there's just this disconnect between researching everything and then actually doing it. And I think that's like, as you guys know, I'm like that in a lot of areas of my life, right? So it's like, for me, it's more so of a mindset thing. And I know once I'm able to get over that and be willing to let go, because for so long, I was so focused in or or taking things in and not letting it out. I even think that like translates to just spending money or making money, right? For me, that's always been a little bit difficult. So it's just like, I think there's a mindset hurdle that I definitely need to get over in order to start being successful in that part of my financial life. And I know, I feel like I know that I probably could be successful because I I was able to do what I'm done now, but I'm just kind of stuck. It's like, someone help me. Someone push me into investing and just take my money and do it for me. <laughs> and what don't tell you, me they did it. <laughs> what about you, Dr. Joy? Yeah, I think it was for me having kids as well. Like, I think there's something about like being responsible for another life that really snaps you into reality for real, for real. And thinking about like what you want them to have and like what kinds of, you know, ways I want to set them up for the future. So that is when I got very serious about money is after I had my first little one. Yeah, I do want to go back to um, Raina's comments about investing and that being overwhelming and a bit scary. First of all, thank you for being vulnerable with that, because honestly, that's how a lot of people feel about investing. And despite like the information, sometimes it's too much information. And despite all the sources, it can be still just like it's a lot of blocks and laid on with probably just your innate personality. For some people just makes it even harder to get over. So we know Raina is kind of big monster in the corner hiding or it's like that she's like kind of afraid to tackle is investing. Do any of you guys have things like that around money that you just are kind of just like, oh, I don't want to see or talk about or don't like or have an aversion to? For me, it's budgeting, which is the strangest thing. It's like I have to force myself to look at my bank statement. Force, 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 force myself It's one of those things where I just, I can't do it because I'm afraid of all of the waste. So I have that issue, right? And the way I deal with it is I just do all these crazy automatic transfers. So there's literally no money left in my account. 
because I don't want to sit down and go through my day. Like even talking about it now is just, it's like giving me anxiety. That's how crazy it is. And I've tried the taking out cash. It doesn't work. So the one thing I wish, I wish I had someone else who would pull my statement every month and like highlight stuff and be like, okay, Art, you went to Starbucks too many times or you went to whatever. That's the toughest thing for me. It's not being comfortable with not saving every single penny. And so I'm not comfortable with the waste. But then the other thing I would say is I feel like I'm the exact opposite of Raina. I'm like, take my savings, put it in this whole new thing. Let's see how it works. <laughs> I know I say for the last 10 years, let's just do it. Like it's going to work. I'm like the total risk, whatever is the complete opposite of risk averse is me. But based on what you said about your upbringing and you realizing that money is kind of just like, yeah, yeah. So there, it's so that, that leads into it. Yeah. You can always make it back. <laughs> you can always make it back. That's how I see it. Well, first of all, I want to say that I'm impressed that even though budgeting gives you anxiety, that you actually still do it. Because there's so many people who <laughs> they don't right. like budgeting and they're just like, I'm just not going to do it. So, Well, because you know what was happening? I was going to the store <laughs> and it would be like, you know, $1.57. I'd be like, ooh, is there enough money in my account to cover that $1.57? Or like if I go somewhere with a coworker and it's like a do- and it's not because I don't have the money, it's because I haven't checked my account, something went through that I wasn't expecting, and because I don't look and log into my account, I didn't transfer it from my savings, or I didn't say, oh, okay, I can't go to get coffee today. So that kept happening a lot, and luckily. <laughs> I never had that issue, but that's when I was just like, okay, if I budget, I do look at my account every two weeks when I get paid because I go in there, I do all my stuff and then I get out. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So um, Dr. Joy, do you have like a system currently that you manage your day-to-day spending or budgeting? So I feel like I have kind of set up my life to be very kind of hands off with money business-wise, like I have an accountant who like manages stuff. So like I kind of peek in and kind of generally know what's going on, but I feel very overwhelmed by like all these spreadsheets and this goes here. Like that feels very overwhelming. And then personally, my husband does a lot of it. So, you know, like I feel like he is like the one responsible for like making sure the household runs. I feel like I don't really pay attention to that because it's like, oh, this is my play money so I can do whatever I want with it. (laughs) So I feel like I have some issues just around like I'm not necessarily uncomfortable with money. I just feel like I don't want to be bothered with it. And so I just let other people do that stuff. And for you, I look at my accounts daily. I have all the apps in a folder on my phone. (laughs) I budget every single purchase. But don't let that fool you into thinking that I don't have my own money issues because I have like an Amazon problem. And even though... I track everything. It's not like I give, I am not good at really disciplining myself and saying, okay, girl, you can only spend $50 or $100 on Amazon this month. If I go over, I'm like, "Mm, well, you know, (laughs) it's Amazon. (laughs) And I will set aside money, you know, for the government, for savings. But that is why I really want to tighten up in my business. So it was easier when I worked for the man and, you know, I could do things like do an election for 401k, boom, and, you know, never think about it again. But now that it's mine, I need to get stricter about actually giving myself a salary, actually setting up my elections and just doing it that way. Because getting these lump sums and having to require myself to be disciplined enough to put aside money for all those things is just not working out (laughs) the way I want it to. Yeah. And you bring up a really interesting dynamic too, as a, cause you're a full-time entrepreneur. And so like that to me, and now that I'm one and I've been one now for like going on, this is like my second year of full-time entrepreneurship, going from a job that I got a paycheck. So for me, the way I handle money, like I actually also really am not in love with budgeting. I don't actually check my accounts every day, despite me like loving money and talking about money and educating about money. Like I'm not like, 
a super like, oh, budgets are like amazing. They're to me necessary because at least it allows me to see like if I'm off track, like it allows me to correct course, to see where I'm overspending. So it's like a necessary thing I do, but I don't necessarily always enjoy it. And I actually, this is for me, something that's coming up as I'm talking. I think I don't enjoy it as much now because of our money situation, right? So when I was working, like we got guaranteed income and we had a lot more income coming in. So budgeting was like, oh, you know, we're saving, we're investing, we got our buckets together. Now it feels a little different because we're pulling from our savings account every month to cover expenses. That feels for me why for now, like for me, budgeting is kind of like, oh, I have to do it, but I don't like enjoy it. When it comes to like money wins and things that you've been the most proud of, right, that you've been able to do because of money or whether it's a purchase or something you'd be able, you've been able to do in your life. I love to just go around and talk about like the good things with money, like what um, you feel good about when it comes to money or something that really defines for you like a good money moment. I think for me, it would be like um, paying off all my debt. So I'm debt, well, except my car, but I only have like one year left on my car. So I'm debt free when it comes to like my college debt. And my parents are so like, it's funny because they never really explain why they do things, but it all makes sense in the aftermath. Like my mom, I didn't realize that she had me as an authorized user on her credit card from like when I was in high school. So that was building my credit. My dad made me take out very small, like $3,500 loans every year for college. Although they could have paid me, he was like, I'm going to teach you responsibility. You'll learn. And so like I was able to pay off those small loans within, let's say, like five years of graduating. My credit score is very good. I didn't even realize my like, is it FICO or FICO? FICO. FICO. Yeah, FICO. like I have a really good FICO score. So I'm, I'm really happy on that front that I'm solid. So I would say like I'm happy that there were small things that were set up for me that I know like if I had kids one day, right? put them as an authorized user when they're like 10 or something and build their credit or even just doing small things like that because debt isn't always bad. I think Nikhil, you were saying this earlier, like you thought you were very scared of credit cards and that was something too that I had to conquer. So it was really just learning the world of credit and knowing that at least if anything, I could get a loan, <laughs> if anything. Nice. Well, congrats on being almost debt-free. That's amazing. Yeah, thank you. I think for me, uh, my money win has just been surviving in this life of entrepreneurship. Like I have been able to not only survive, but be able to save, pay the man, pay Uncle Sam, you know, and cover our bills and all of that for going on. What is this now? My third year of entrepreneurship that I'm entering into. So I'm very proud of that because it was scary. You know, you just don't know what this new life will be like. That said, I still have things that I'm learning. Like, I, I think by year five, I really hope to be in a better place <laughs> <laughs> to really have my ish together. Um, and my husband, Moyo, and I always talk about this. Like, when we think about money, like, the ultimate goal is the freedom, right? The freedom, not necessarily from your job, but knowing that if a medical emergency is go was going to happen, like, God forbid, like, you would be in a place to pay for that and not going to debt. Money is flexibility, it's freedom, and it's it's peace of mind. And so for me, when I think of one of my best money moments, it was when I was able to, on the fly, week of, book a ticket to join my family, my sister and brother-in-law and, and my nieces in Disney World, because, you know, it was hard to plan that far out. When you're an entrepreneur, you don't know exactly what you'll be doing, blah, blah, blah. But then the week of, I realized like, hey, I could clear up my schedule and I can afford to buy a ticket and on the fly, join them in Orlando and also on the fly buy a ticket to, you know, Beyonce concert that's happening that weekend as well. And it was just like, I love family time. Like my family is everything to me. So that is what money represents to me, the ability to do more things like that. What about you, Dr. Joy? Similar, like to be able to give my kids very cool and like incredible experience. They go to a school that they really love, that they are thriving in. And they have been able to travel to some places that I was not traveling at three and six, um, you know. And so I just feel like it's making just incredible memories for them and then really just helping them to understand how much there is to the world. So it really feels like money has allowed me to be able to do those things for them. What about you, Art? For me, I'll have to say the purchase of my house, which I was able to do after law school. And it was pretty 
easy. I was able to save within a few months and come up with a down payment on a very nice, very well located or, you know, like the metro is walking distance from my house and all that stuff. And that came in very handy when I was an entrepreneur and I didn't have to worry about not coming up, you know, with for some months, not being able to come up with my rent and getting kicked out because it's a mortgage. Yeah. You don't want to be late. It goes on your credit, but it's not the end of the world if you're late one month on your mortgage, whereas if you're not paying your rent. And also I have now a piece of real estate that hopefully, you know, I'm not planning on selling it anytime soon that my son now will have that I can pass on to him. And it's interesting because when I was at the law firm, a lot of people were like, don't buy a house. That's the craziest thing you can do. And you know, you don't want to settle down. Like, don't do that. What if you want to move? What if you this? And what if you that? And weirdly enough, all the people who were telling me this were people who had houses. And I was like, okay, why don't you take advice? But people were really telling me not to do it. But I was just like, I did the math and being single with no kids. And this was back in the day when you could take your real estate taxes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, deduction and all that stuff. I did the math, like actually buying a house saved me money. So it was just a smart thing to do. And I'm glad I didn't listen to those people. Yeah. And that just brings up a good point about the decisions you make about your money and what you spend on and invest in and how you find joy in it. Someone can look at you and have judgments or think it's crazy. And it's just like, that's why personal finance, like it's a personal journey because my proudest money moment was buying my condo in Dumbo because I feel like that is creating legacy wealth. It's more of an emotional, it's worth a lot more than I bought it. But so when people like try to buy it for me, I'm like, I really don't care how much you offer, although maybe a certain number might work. But honestly, it's like this, like I, there's not too many people who own in Dumbo who look like me. Like I want my kids to be able to like live there and like maybe that's their little college dorm or something. So I just feel like, you know, again, at that time, I'm sure there's people who would have told me, like, that's crazy. What are you doing? But the decisions that we all make is for our own paths to travel. So another question that I have for you guys, because we're talking about just like the flexibility that money provides in our proudest money moment. What if money was not an option at all? Like literally, you didn't have to worry about where the next paycheck was coming from. You had enough, whatever that enough meant for you to live, feel good. What would you do for work or for a living? Would it still be what you're doing now? And I'd love to hear, if not, what would it be? I'll, I'll start. No, I would not be doing what I'm doing right now. I don't, I don't know what I would be doing. I'd probably go back to some country in Africa, either Liberia or Ghana or Morocco. I would do something relating to probably teaching because I really like teaching. That's probably what I would do. Okay. What about you, Dr. Joy? I feel like I would still be doing what I'm doing. Like, I feel very blessed and honored that I get to do what I get to do for money. Um, so I feel like I would probably be doing the same thing. I think I would be doing way more traveling. That's number one. But um, number two, I too would want to do something. I don't know if it would be teaching, but something with children, because I feel very strongly that as I was growing up, I was just given a lot of messages that I needed to do a certain thing to be successful or this is what success looks like. And I would have saved myself a lot of heartache if I knew that I could forge my own path and that that was okay. In addition, I really feel strongly about young girls needing to be poured into and, and especially Black kids and loving their skin, loving the skin they're in, loving who they are. And I think I'm getting more passionate now that I'm about to have be a mother. You know, I just feel very strongly about making sure that kids are affirmed. And so that is something that I want to invest more time in. And I hope to be a serial entrepreneur where one thing allows me to save up enough capital to be able to invest in projects that are capital intensive and don't pay out right away, <laughs> like a true startup. So <laughs> that that's what I'm working on right now. I think I'd probably like want to travel the world with a camera and take pictures of people. <laughs> I really love observing people in their spaces. Um, and it's always been something I've had like this natural affinity for even as a kid. 
So I'd probably be like a photographer, portrait photographer, just traveling the world in that sense. And then I was just telling someone I had dinner with uh, the other day, I would love to open a restaurant and just have some kind of like creative culinary concept. I'm not a good, like I'm not the best cook, but I like eating and I like experimenting with food. So I would definitely try to have some some sort of storytelling experience via food. I don't know how that looks, but that's just something that if money wasn't an option, I would definitely want to pursue that. Yeah. And and as you guys are talking, like for me, I would still do Journey to Launch. I probably wouldn't do as much, (laughs) go so hard. But as you're talking, like, you know, like the whole chicken and the egg argument, like what comes first? And I kind of said it in the beginning, like I followed more money because I knew that I didn't want to work or be bossed around by anyone. And so I figured if I had enough money, I could do my own thing. But then you hear this saying that, you know, but if you follow the passion, especially if you believe wholeheartedly in it, that's when the money comes. Do you ever sometimes think if you were to like, I'm not talking about like abandon all responsibilities and like, especially for those of us who are moms, just like run off and do whatever. But do you ever think sometimes like if you really just focused on what it is you actually just wanted to do, like without worrying about money because there are bills to pay, like, would you be more successful? Like, would the money come faster that way? Have you ever thought of it like that? Well, I feel like that's kind of what happened for me, even though that's not what I set out to do. And I feel very reluctant to even tell other people that, right? Like just follow your passion because I feel like it kind of worked out, but it wasn't like a plan for or like even know how I would replicate, but it kind of worked out that way. So I'm, you know, excited that it did, but it feels very still like chancy to say like, just follow your passion and everything else will fall into place because I don't know that that always happens. Well, I'm I'm big on exploring and that's why I'm team side hustle. I think, and that's kind of what I meant by people thinking that success only looks like one thing. I think that mentality instills a lot of fear in people, a fear to even try because they're like, oh, I have this good job or, oh, that's crazy. I'm a banker. I can't, you know, test out writing an ebook or what am I even good at outside of this? It becomes very much people tie their identity to this job and that job can be taken from you at any moment. That said, I don't agree with like, first of all, the word passion is kind of loopy. You know, it's very nuanced. And I think it's very, very hard to really be able to say, oh, I'm passionate about X, Y, Z. You really have to test it out and see, do I enjoy doing this in the low moments? Do I enjoy doing this when things are difficult? So I like side hustling because you're able to test it out and you literally have nothing to lose. Like, what does it matter if, after you leave work or on the weekend, you test out writing an ebook or you test out starting a podcast, you know, nothing to lose. And so with that, what I was able to do is do all of this exploring and then realize that, wow, I really enjoy doing this and then figure out, okay, well, how do you make money doing this so I can leave my job? (laughs) Because I enjoy doing this more than my job and just go from there. Yeah, I think that'd be just helpful for, I know a lot of listeners are in that stage, right? Like they want to earn more money, but they want to do what they love. Life is short. And so they're trying to balance what that looks like. And I agree with trying different things and side hustling. And especially if you're at a stage in your life where you can take the more risks without having maybe all the responsibilities that come later with life and certain choices, then the time is now, like sometimes there's never be another, like a better time than probably you listening right now to take that chance. I agree that... If you don't have to focus on money, that's different from saying don't focus on money. If you need to pay your bills, you can't do it for free, right? But I do agree that if you don't have to focus on money, you can give it all you have because money and worrying about it takes up a lot of space. No matter how much you love to do something, if you can't pay your bills, You cannot devote the amount of time you need to devote to it to get it started. So I agree. If you can put yourself in a situation where you don't have to worry about money while doing that thing, I think you will be more successful. And to add to that, I think you also have to be real with how comfortable you are potentially having to be in struggle season, right? Or struggle (laughs) life. I know for me, like, I always had this thing. I don't want to be broke ever. Like, I don't want to be broke. So, like, whatever it is that I'm doing, it it can't make me possibly go broke, right? So there are some people, though, who are okay with being broke and who are okay with, like, having to do that, like, day-to-day hard hustling and 
living on the edge of like, oh, I have zero dollars in my bank account, but I'm going to have a hundred tomorrow. To me, like personally, I don't think I'm there yet at the struggle. You know what I mean? Like, I, I don't think that I, I could do that yet. So I think you just have to be very real about how much can you handle? And I mean, of course things happen and life happens. You could lose it all any day, but if you can plan to just make sure like you were saying, or like if you don't have to worry about money, it's different, but do know that you'll need money in some sense. So make sure that you're making decisions so that in some way you're able to at least keep life, you know, keep your life sustained and not have to be out here like on the streets begging or something, you know? (laughs) So or cutting corners, right? And doing what you think is going to make you money fast. So, oh, I saw this podcaster and she did X and now she's whatever revenue. Let me jump from what I'm doing and go do that, right? Because all you're looking at is the money. So like, if you are good, you have to be in a good place financially, I think, to pursue your passion unless you absolutely don't have a choice and then you just grind, 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 and then you end up making it. Yeah. But I think it's important for you to be in a good financial space. Yeah. So, okay. I'm going to just wrap this up with um, like kind of like questions. It's going to be that kind of going down the line. If you can answer two questions for me, the first will be, what is a financial goal that you are working towards maybe within like a, sh- a short, it could be short term or long term, just something that's really like, when you think about it, you're just like, oh, that is like what I'm working towards and I'm happy to do. And then next question is, if you could describe like financial freedom and finish a sentence, financial freedom means, and then like one or two words, if you could come up with one, who wants to go first? My goal that I'm working toward is buying my second property. That's my long-term goal. That's why I decided to go back and work for someone else. That was something I wanted to accomplish. And I didn't see myself being able to do that working for myself. And then financial freedom to me is my son not having to have any college debt, not having to come up with his own down payment on his house and having whatever job he wants and marrying whoever he wants and them having whatever job they want and they still live comfortably. Love it. <laughs> <laughs> okay, who wants to go next? Dr. Joy, you ready? Yeah, uh-huh. So I think my financial goal is similar to arts in that I want my kids to be able to decide whatever they want to do after high school without worrying about like, can we afford tuition here? Or can I afford to go travel for six years or do whatever? I want them to kind of be able to make decisions based on what they want to follow. And financial freedom to me means freedom exactly like that. Like I want to be able to make decisions kind of on the fly and, you know, do what I want to do and want my kids and my family to be able to do the things that they want to do. I think for me, a big financial goal that I have is to start in the investment portfolio of some sort. I don't know what that looks like. I don't know how small, how big it would be, but I really would like to do that. I think I also want to start diversifying my revenue streams. It's something that you guys have all been on me about and really taking hold of my money mindset as well, because as entrepreneurs, we're so focused on like this professional mindset, even our personal mindsets. But I think really investing in one's money mindset is very important. So that's something that I know I need to work on. And then I think for me, financial freedom means peace, because I think like you can be financially set or you can have the money, right? But you may not necessarily be at peace with it, or you may not necessarily feel like, I don't know, peace in the word. So definitely it would mean peace and just knowing that I can do what I want to do. So peace and freedom, kind of how Joy was saying, you know, that freedom is important too. And I think for me, my financial goal is to finish completely paying off my last student loan. So my grad school loan, undergrad is paid off, um, but grad school, the goal is to get that done this year. And then also to have even more in savings and investments. So multi six figures. And then after that, the next goal will be seven figures in savings and investments just to make me feel secure. Financial freedom to me means being able to make decisions that are not based on money. So even as an entrepreneur, like every day I wake up and it's like that 
parable of like, you know, the lion wakes up and it's like, or the zebra, the lion and the zebra, I forget what it is, but Whatever. everybody wakes up and they got to start running because it's, it's, you know, kill or be killed. Hunting season. Hunting <laughs> season. And so literally I wake up, you know, I'll do my prayers, meditation, scroll on Instagram like everybody else. But then I have to really get serious about, okay, I'm always thinking about that monthly revenue. I'm always thinking about, am I going to hit my target? Who do I got to follow up with to make sure I get paid? Like, and I want to be able to live without that mindset. That is freedom. Yeah. Okay. So I'll also go, my financial goal is similar to, I I think it's a combination everyone's here is for my kids to really choose what they want to do within this world and life. And then to also um, reach my financial independence, like mark and number. So when I first started Journey to Launch, I had this very ambitious goal to reach financial independence by 40. And what that meant was to have enough invested and saved so that literally like I wouldn't have to work again. Like I could choose what I wanted to do. So I'd love to get back on that track and to start earning money, but in a way that feels so aligned, so good that it's just like flowing in. So to get to my financial independence number, I'd love to still hit it by 40. So taking this leap into entrepreneurship in the short term has delayed that process, but I'm hoping that following my passion is going to um, accelerate it at some point. And financial freedom for me means options. I just want options in life. I know I already have it, but I want more of it. So I'm excited to have everyone hear this conversation. Hopefully it opens up more options and conversations for you listening with maybe your girlfriends or people in your life about money. I want to thank everyone, the panel, for coming on and being so open and vulnerable and honest about money. I will link everyone's show in the show notes. Thank you again so much, everyone. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us. Thank you, Jamila. Bye. Bye. Bye-bye. I really hope you enjoyed that conversation with the amazing ladies. Once again, if you want to check out their podcast, it's Nikayla Matthews Okome of Side Hustle Pro Podcast, Dr. Joy Harden Bradford of the Therapy for Black Girls Podcast, Raina Campbell of the Dreams and Drive Podcast, and Art Steele of the Ink Secure Podcast. And I did want to give like a little background to all of this, right? So to check out anything that we mentioned or the podcast, also the host, go to journeytolaunch.com slash episode 147. There you get the links to follow them on their social media account and listen to their podcast. But I wanted to give just like a little background of how this powerhouse sister circle came together. I think it's interesting and I think it's good to share because so many of us are on our unique journeys, whether that is just like one, a life journey, or maybe you're, you have a business or you have a career. And it's so important to have a team around you a team that supports you in terms of just like uplifts you, you can go to for advice. And that's basically what we created with our little circle. And so it's important that as you think about ways in which you want to grow, that you surround yourself with not only like people you can learn from, but people you can also pour into. And so our little podcast mastermind that we've started really came from actually an opportunity that was denied to us. So we submitted to be on a panel for podcast movement. I I thought of this idea a couple of years ago, like who are like the amazing black women podcasters doing it and let's all come together and submit a panel for podcast movement and talk about like the importance of black women voices in podcasting. So podcast movement did not accept our panel, but we were like, you know what? We don't need validation from podcast movement that this is like a necessary thing to talk about. But how about in the meantime, we just create our own little circle and mastermind to talk through things, to support each other, to give each other advice. And so we've been doing that now for, I feel like it's been almost going on two years. It feels like, cause I remember I gave birth to my daughter around the time that we kind of started having our little meetings. Really, I was like thinking of something cool and unique to do for financial literacy month in April. And I'm like, oh, why don't I just like ask them to have a conversation? So I just wanted to kind of share the behind the scenes of how all that came to be. And once again, I'm so thankful to the ladies for coming on and being vulnerable and open about money. Because listen, money is a thread that weaves in and out of all our lives. And the more I think we talk about it and get comfortable about it, the same hangups that you have are most likely or maybe the same hangups that someone that you love has, but you just never discussed it, right? So I'm hoping that this opens up the door for people to have more conversations around money and to help also guide people to financial freedom. 
As promised, I wanted to share some tips from today's sponsor, Empower, on how to get financial relief from the coronavirus outbreak. They wrote a really great blog, which I'll link to in the episode show notes on how to get financial relief. And some of their tips are, one, call your lenders and ask to reschedule payments. I really, really like this one. I've actually had some journeyers actually do this and get payments stopped. So here's what it is. Many lenders are being flexible given the financial hardships of borrowers right now. So your credit card companies and your car and home companies, they are either postponing or reducing interest and principal payments. So you need to call them and see if they can work with you to reduce or stop these payments for the time being. That way you can redirect the cash you would have sent to those payments to more essential purchases or to beef up your emergency fund. The second thing you can look into doing is reducing your student loan payments. If you've got a federal loan and have seen a decrease in your income because of the coronavirus outbreak, then you should be able to reduce your payments via an income-based repayment plan. Go to studentaid.gov to see if you qualify and how you can get that started. But that's a really, really good step to look into doing. The third thing you can look into doing is cutting your expenses. So you may be currently in a shelter-in-place order or social distancing, and maybe you've seen some of your expenses go down if you're going out less, but now is a really good time to evaluate the cash inflows and outflows of your household and commit to cutting back on the categories that are just really nice to have. So really start looking at your budget, get a budget if you don't have one, be a little bit more disciplined now that you may need more savings on hand. Actually, the Empower app has a really good spend tracking feature to help you do that. So if you do want to try out Empower, download Empower, E-M-P-O-W-E-R in the App Store or Play Store. You can also get $5 when you use the code Journey and reach your savings goals. Visit empower.me slash journey for more details. Don't forget, you can get the episode show notes for this episode by going to journeytolaunch.com or click the description of wherever you're listening to this. And you can still grab your jumpstart guide for free to help you on your journey to financial freedom by going to journeytolaunch.com slash jumpstart. Now, again, follow me on social media at journey to launch. And then if you have like had an aha moment or something that you really enjoy, tag me so I can see it. And I just love reading all the comments about that. Okay, until next week, keep on journeying, journeyers. Journey to launch.